Yeah. Okay, it has already started. And then I will do a little self-intro and then we'll dive straight into the podcast then. So, um, three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in for another pod episode of Podcast from Asia Business Club at the Imperial College Business School. My name is Kylie, and I'm the podcast for this episode. Today, we're so honored to have Annie Deng as our guest today. Annie is an alumni from the International Health Management course at Imperial and is now a consultant at BCG. Hello, Annie. We're so glad to have you, and thank you so much for joining us today. First off, would you mind starting off by walking us through your past experience and how did you eventually landed your position at a management consulting firm from a, during a degree in global health and social medicine? Hi, Carly. Great to have, great to be here. Thanks for having me. So I recently joined Boston Consulting Group as an associate after spending just under a year at Accenture Strategy, where I was looking at digital strategy, but also customer growth and growth acquisition. Um, Prior to that, I was obviously at Imperial doing my master's management, but specializing in international health. And before that, I was at King's College, as you said, studying global health. I actually took a year out from my studies, so between my second and third year, and I spent a year in AI uh, at a startup where I realized that I really enjoy the fast pace of startups, but also face the challenges that come with it and realized I wanted a more corporate background as kind of the initial uh, building blocks for my career. I think the I really thought about consulting when I actually joined Imperial. At the time, I think everyone was either moving into investment banking and consulting. But for me, the biggest draw of consulting is that you get to try out so many different topics and you can work across so many different functions before you actually decide on, on a skill or a particular sector that you want to further your skills in. I see, I see. It sounds like you have a really broad experience in different corporate jobs and also business development, uh, both within and also outside the life science uh, consulting uh, industry. So would you mind to tell us more about the different the differences between different consulting area and functions, um, more specifically maybe in the life science industry as well, and maybe let's say uh, what kind of skills are really necessary to really do the job there? So one thing to note is that different firms will have different setups, but across the board, you'll find firms that have practice areas or industries, and this will be things like finance and banking, um, public sector, life sciences, healthcare, and so on. But also, they often have functional splits, so you can understand this as horizontal and vertical. And your functions are really the kind of skills or expertise areas. One of them may be, for example, marketing and pricing. Another might be digital transformation. Another might be people and operations. And then obviously you can go further down. So operations might include cost cutting or process efficiency improvements. And each firm will have different uh, sectors and practice areas, but also functions that they really excel at. My experience in life sciences was largely in the research and development sector, and this was largely looking at improving um, improving R&D processes with a kind of tech background. So improving efficiency, um, but also having monitoring, uh, monitoring tools that are able to kind of record, but also keep track of where projects are at at the early stages. Um, 
but this can really vary. Quite often, a farmer will hire consultancy firms to look at product launch strategies and marketing, but also exit opportunities. And these are quite often the kind of common projects that you'll find there, in addition to the more traditional operations and cost efficiency improvement work. I see, I see. That sounds like a really broad, different categories, and it's definitely really interesting to know that what skills are necessary. So I know that during your time at Imperial, you have also done a consulting project with Roche. Um, can you tell us more about what was the project and what, what which, which consulting area did you really worked on that and what was it about? Sure. So my summer project with Roche was looking at launching a digital product that they had so this is an oncology tool that they had and they were looking to launch across several european markets including the uk france germany and i think belgium spain it was um, and one of the key things that i worked on in here was looking at launching in the uk and this involved looking at regulatory areas, but also understanding where NHS support would come in, how procurement occurs in the NHS, and also you know, what a go-to-market strategy might look like. So what happens after a launch and, and the setup of it. I think just touching upon your previous question on skills, one of the most important things that I learned was really about project management and having understanding what it takes to deliver something in a certain period of time. A lot of this is around scheduling and conducting interviews, something that is, is very common in consulting and something that you have to get used to, but also the aspects of storytelling and slide writing. These skills never really stop uh, irrespective of whatever sector or function you're in within consulting. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, background to be learned about storytelling, about framing a problem with your client, about coaching them through a problem, but also your approach and selling them on your approach in terms of how you're solving their problem. I see, I see. It sounds like a really, uh, consulting is a really, uh, really requires a lot of skills, especially in storytelling, especially when you're working in the specific industry. Not only does it require a lot of skills and also the storytelling aspect of it really um, is really important to really convey the information and the idea that you want to tell the client. So what would you say is your biggest takeaway apart from that during the summer project, especially with the such a renowned uh, life science um, pharmaceutical company? I think there are two key things. One of the things is, and I, my best advice to people, is really try and build a relationship with your client team. They are really there to help you succeed. Don't be afraid to kind of reach out and, you know, try and learn about what they do in their day-to-day -day work as well. So our project lead were to PhDs and they were also fairly new to the kind of project management, product management role, excuse me, but also they were able to bring in a lot of scientific expertise and were able to try and show us what it takes to transition from one sector to another. The second piece of advice I have is really try and do a little bit of everything across your project. So one of the things that's quite common 
uh, in consulting now is having what's called a module at BCG or work streams. And this is really about taking ownership and seeing something through from start to finish. And this involves kind of building the work plan, but also understanding what you're doing at different stages, how you will drive your project forward. So what it is that you're going to do next if you face problems and having that plan in mind and really being able to push yourself to see something through. I see, I see. It sounds like a really um, important and uh, exciting job to work in consulting. So what about, because um, as you've shared with us before, you, all, you, are, um, you are born and raised in the UK. So, however, you have also spent a certain amount of time back in China in working in different jobs. So would you mind sharing us more about your working experience as an Asian British in China and how that really helped you accelerate in your working and your current working style? How, how did that uh, how did that impact your working style? Just firstly looking at working styles, I certainly think that the culture clashes are definitely to be expected. I think I was in a very unique place as well where I was working at a very early stage startup where things are incredibly intense. I think one of the things um, if you might know of is the 996 mentality, so that's nine to nine, six days a week. I think I was well protected from it, but there were also times where, you know, the late nights are are to be expected. And that's something you, you would also expect in certain industries in the UK. Here I'm thinking about consulting and finance. I think this has improved over time in the UK, but definitely has a long way to go in Asia, where it's long hours, tedious hours is a lot more to be expected. It's quite often that you see people having lunch at their desk and really spending their entire day at the office, which is less common probably in Western Europe. Um, certainly when I've been visiting different offices with BCG as well, each office has their own culture in terms of how they like to take lunch. I think having a broad range of experiences though has really helped me shape uh, my working style in terms of adapting to different people and different styles and I think this is the critical area where you're able to adapt and work along with someone else and this takes its form in many different ways so for example I like quite like to have dinner at 6 p.m but my colleagues might eat at 8 p.m so this often means that I will just flag ahead of time and say look I'm going to step off for an hour or so I'm going to be offline but I'm having dinner and I'll see you soon after um, here's where I am at with my work if you need anything from me, you know where to find me. I think a lot of how we work now is more about open communication. I think BCG really tries to drive that within its values um, in terms of having this predictability aspect in terms of being expected to work late or knowing ahead of time where, you, where times might be more intense. So obviously you can always expect that running up to a client deadline or a handover date you know, things will ramp up and you may be, you are expected to, to work late and for, for longer hours, but also to, for you to look to look to that time off afterwards and a quite a period afterwards. And same thing in a day to day. So one day you might be super packed with full of calls, but you can expect the next day to be a lot more cooler and then give you more time to work on content. I think over time, you learn to bridge your different skills and your different work experience together. There are certainly aspects 
you know, everyone will say this, there are certainly aspects that work well in both. One of the things, you know, that's great about working long hours with your team is that you really build that rapport with your team. You really know that you've been through a challenge together and that really builds um, great experience and also, you know, it really helps you to become friends over a longer period of time as well. So my best advice here is really to try and bridge your culture, your working style, your working culture with some the environment that you're in and also be comfortable communicating how you like to work and what you're used to and what you prefer as well and try and build um, build a cadence with your team together. I see, I see. I think that's very true because especially for our fellow members of Asia Business Club, I believe that a lot of us have a I have a very broad working experience across Asia and the UK, and I'm very glad that you've shared that very valuable experience with that with us. So maybe to kind of wrap up the podcast, so would you have any specific advice and um, to tell our member that how would you, how would you um, how should they really um, land their dream job in consulting? Uh, should they do more networking or practice more in different job interviews, etc.? So what is your advice for that? That's such a such a great but also very difficult question. I think there are always a million and one things that you could be doing better. Um, and I think people who tend to be in consulting are those who enjoy, you know, improving things. But I think the most important thing is, and speaking from experience there, is don't be disheartened if you don't get into your, you know, your dream job or your dream firm. Sometimes these things just take time. I obviously transition from one firm to another. I've also had my fair share of rejections. You know, a lot of people have. A lot of people will tell you about how they failed, you know, second round, third round, you know, the final round interviews. And it feels awful, but it genuinely isn't the end of the world. What you can do for yourself in the meantime is really try and figure out what you're excellent at and building those skills. So that might be having a client rapport. You might be great at having client presence. You might be a great storyteller. You might be a great analyst. Figuring out what you're great at and selling that to someone is probably going to be more critical. I think a lot of things with networking, it unfortunately, it really depends on who you know, and that comes from a lot of background and also the kind of schools that we go to. So there is always going to be someone who has a stronger network, you know, and has more power there. And I think in terms of the job interviews aspect, this is obviously very critical, but really figuring out what the firm that you're going for want from you and also how they like to do case interviews. I certainly thought that, you know, case interviews were very much like David Orville's book, um, Crack the Case. I obviously thought that, you know, Mark, everything was done in those kind of six, seven different styles. It definitely isn't. Please know that there are so many different styles of case interviews. The work that consultancies do now is so broad that what you really need to hone on is how you problem solve and think about issue, how you break that down. And my best tip in that is really people love structure. You cannot be um, over-structured in some ways. We love grouping things. We love having frameworks. We love, you know, um, having, uh, being able to tie different pieces up. And, you know, 
being super structured in your thoughts is a great practice to have whilst you're going through and getting ready for your interviews and finding finding a job that that really drives you I see, I see. That's all a very valuable uh, lessons and advice for our fellow students. Um, and I think that um, especially when you're trying to get into a consulting firm, a lot of time it's not just a one-way relationship when the company is trying to hire you. I think it's very important for you to understand whether the company suits you or not. And I think what you just said right now is definitely reiterates with um, my thinking in uh, whether this consulting firm suits you or not. So all in all, thank you so much, Annie, for uh, taking the, your time off and share your thoughts and experience with us in this episode. And at the same time, I hope everyone has learned something meaningful and useful from this podcast. And remember to follow our podcast and stay tuned for more. Thank you so much, everyone. See you, see you guys again. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to start stop recording now. Okay.